Take your Bibles and turn with us to Psalms chapter 73. Psalms chapter number 73. We'll give you just a moment to find your place in the Word of God. And we'll read this passage of Scripture and then pray. Bring the message that God has laid upon our hearts. Psalms chapter number 73. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes standeth out with fatness, they have more than heart would wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak lofty. They set their mouth against the heavens, their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, should I offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, uh, then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakes. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before them. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou hast guided me with thy counsel, Thou afterward, and afterward received me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that desire but, but beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from, me, from thee uh, shall perish. Thou shalt destroy all them that go a-whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Father, I pray that you'll take the message now. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. God, I ask you to help us these next few moments. Lord, may you be pleased with our worship. I pray that, Lord, you'll strengthen our faith and, Lord, that you'll increase our faith in the Word of God and we'll love you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject tonight on riches that money cannot buy. Riches that money cannot buy. Psalms chapter 73 is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph, you know, that was, was one of David's uh, three, he was one of the three chief musicians that David had appointed. And Asaph wrote uh, in the second book of Psalms, he wrote uh, Psalms chapter 50. And then now this begins the third book of Psalms. And David, or Asaph, has written here in this third book of Psalms 11 different psalms. And so this being a psalm of Asaph. And Asaph in this psalm, 
here. Uh, he answers a question, or a question, should I say, the Lord answers in this psalm uh, that has been asked three times. Uh, this, there is a question here concerning the wicked and why that they prosper and why that, the un, why that the godly suffer. I think that's a question that we've all asked ourselves several times is why do wicked people prosper and why do godly people suffer in this life? And that's a uh, question that has been asked several times uh, in the book of Psalms. In Psalms chapter number 37, we know that David asked that uh, uh, same question there. And God, if he would have had a, a word in that psalm for David uh, to answer his, it would be simply be the word wait, uh, that God would answer David in Psalms 37 by saying, uh, just wait, be patient, uh, and have faith. Their day is coming. And then we know that that psalm, or that question, should I say, is asked again in Psalms 49 uh, by an anonymous psalmist as he asked the same question uh, in his psalm wondering why do the wicked prosper and why do the godly suffer? If God uh, was to give one word for uh, the psalmist in Psalms 49, it would just simply be to watch that money and power is vanity and that it all comes crashing in the end. And here Asaph asked the question, why do the wicked prosper? He doesn't understand that, uh, why wicked people are prospering and why godly people are suffering. And the word that uh, seems to uh, trend in this text here would be that of worship. Just worship God and you'll see in the end. Friend, listen, if we'll just wait and if we'll just watch and if we'll just worship, we will see in the end that it does not pay to live for the devil, the world, and the flesh, but it does pay to live for God, that God will take care of His own. And we notice here in the first three verses of this psalm tonight, I want you to see the constant struggle. As this psalmist here, as Asaph begins to uh, talk about this subject as to why do the wicked prosper, he fails to see that there is riches that money cannot buy. And he just is honest in the opening verses here with this constant struggle that, that the psalmist seemed to have in Psalms 37 and Psalms 49 and again here in Psalm 73. Notice his confidence as he says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. And he does want us to know that he believes God has been good to him and has been good to his people, that God has been better to him that he deserves. And so we can say that same thing. But he recognizes his condition as he says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. So what is the psalmist saying here? The psalmist says, I want to go on record and say that I know God has been good to our nation, that God has been good to Israel, that certainly God is even good to those that have a clean heart. But he says, there's something I'm struggling with. He said, I'm losing faith in, in the fact. He said, my feet were almost gone. As for me, he's struggling with this, with this thought of the wicked prospering. So we see his confidence. We see his condition. And then finally, we see his confession. He said, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So uh, there's this constant struggle here uh, that as he recognizes the goodness of God to his people and to himself, but he has to say that he's losing heart and he's losing faith as he is, no, as he is just being honest that he is, becoming, uh, he is becoming envious of the wicked as he sees them prosper. Now, I'll be honest, we, we've all had them thoughts. 
There's been times in all of our life when we've looked at some old heathen or someone that is not faithful and someone that's living for the world and they don't love God and, and we see them being blessed and we wonder why are they blessed and over here we're serving God and we're doing all we can to just, uh, to just be what God would have us to be and it seems like we're just barely getting by and sometimes things even happen in our life that, that we have no explanation for good people, godly people. We watch them suffer and go through great trials of affliction while it seems like heathens in this world and people that are living for this world seem to be untouched by the problems and the tragedies of life. That's a constant struggle. And we notice this psalmist, he has this constant struggle here. He's wondering the same thing. But then there's a careful study. He looks very closely at the wicked in verse number 4 down to verse number 16. Notice here the blessing of the wicked in verse number 4. He said, for there are no bands in their death. But, but their, their strength is firm. In other words, they're, they're healthy and, and they're wealthy. They don't have any problems. There's no bands in their death. They're, he said their strength is firm. They're, they're healthy. He talks about the blessings of the wicked, the behavior of the wicked in verse number, in verse number 6. He, he mentions their wealth again, but or their health, but he also mentions their, he mentions their behavior as he says for their, uh, verse number five, uh, he said, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them. And he said, about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. He said, these ungodly men, these wicked men, he said, look at their behavior. He said, there's no plagues upon them. He said, he said, their pride is just flourishing. You know, we've all seen people and know people like that. There's people probably coming to your mind right now in mine that I think about. They live an ungodly life, but and they and they their behavior is wicked. They're proud. They're cruel. He talks about the blessing of the wicked. He talks about the behavior of the wicked, and then he talks about uh, the benefits of the wicked in verse number seven. Their their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. In other words, they're just they just got. Bounty. They, they're just, they're just, uh, they have everything. Have you ever uh, seen some people that, that you thought, boy, they're just so full of pride, but, but it's, it's, yet it seems like the more pride they have, the more they get. Seems like they excel at everything. That, 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 you know, they always come out on first. They always, they always come out on top. Even when it looks like they lose, they wind up gaining in life. The Bible talks about that the psalmist is doing a careful study of the wicked here as he talks about the blessing of the wicked, the behavior of the wicked, the benefit of the wicked. Then in verse number 8 and 9, he talks about the blasphemies of the wicked. He said, they are corrupt and speak wickedly. Concerning oppression, they speak loftily. He said, they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. They, they speak blasphemies. They say things that dishonors God. I, I've heard wicked people say things that would just make you cringe. I mean, you would, you would hear them say some things and, and I mean, you, you want to take a step back for fear that God is going to strike them dead. But yet you, you look for the, the judgment hand of God in their life and it seems like they just go on and, and instead, instead of judgment, you see sometimes prosperity. And you wonder, you wonder how can people like that prosper when they live such a wicked life. The, the more he looks at the wicked, the more it troubles him in these verses. In fact, the Bible tells us in verse number 10 and 11 what the wicked say. As they, they say here, therefore, in verse number 10, His people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? I mean, I mean these people question 
God. They, they're unbelievers and, and they, they question God. He looks at what they, what they say. Look at what the writer says in verse number 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increased in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. I mean, I mean here, uh, listen, he is making a comparison in verse number 11 and verse number 12. And he said, look, uh, they're blaspheming God. and They're prospering. And he says, you know, he said, I've cleansed my heart and washed my hands. In vain. What's well, a real moment here for the psalmist? I don't want to be critical of him because I think that we all would have to be honest. I would have to say there's been times in my life I've looked and thought, God, I don't understand. I don't understand how they can be so wicked. And yet they can be so wealthy, they can be so healthy, they can be so blessed. And, and his, we see his comparison, we see his conclusion. Uh, look at verse number 13. He says, he said, Verily, I, I, I've come to this conclusion. I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocence. We see his chastening. Verse number 14, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. You think about that. We as God's people, we can think about getting out in sin and the chastening hand of God will be upon us. And we get out and do wrong. We pay a high price for that. That's good evidence of salvation. People that can get out of church and, and their life just goes on normal. And they just, everything just goes good. They're, you mark it down, friend. I don't care how many times they tell you they're saved. If you can get out of church and out of the will of God, and you can get out there and you live sinful, and there's no chastisement, you're not saved, the Bible says. And the Bible says you're a bastard, not a son. You've been slipped a counterfeit by the devil. And so he talks about his chasing. He says, I'm chastened every morning. And you know what? Listen, I can say as a child of God, when I do wrong, the Lord chastens me. He whips me. And I think about his chasing. I think about his confusion. Look at verse number, look at verse number 15. He said, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. The psalmist says it brings me to the place that it just, when I consider the wicked and their prosperity, and when I consider the godly and their chastisement, he says just too painful of a thought. He, he said, I don't understand. There, there's confusion on every level. He doesn't understand. You know, we've all been there in life. We've looked at people and wonder, why can they be so full of pride and yet so full of prosperity? Why does it seem like everything just, just comes their way and, and we struggle sometimes to serve God and get by? We see, we see uh, uh, here uh, that the constant struggle. We see here uh, the careful study. I mean, he does something a lot of people are not willing to do. He takes a close look at the wicked. He takes a co- close look at their, at their blessings, their benefit, their behavior. He looks at, takes a close look at their blasphemies and, and, and he asks a question that most of us would dare not go there and say, wow, in the world a God, can they prosper uh, whenever they're living such a wicked life? And how in the world do we suffer when we're trying to live a godly life? We see here the careful study, but I want you to notice verse number 17 because in verse number 17 throughout the rest of the chapter to verse number 28, there's a clear situation. Everything gets cleared up. I'm talking about the question that was asked in Psalms chapter number uh, uh, 37. The question that was the same question that's being asked in Psalms 49 and here. The same question that's being asked here in Psalm 73. The answer is found in verse uh, verse number 17 throughout the rest of the chapter. What about that? Uh, how the, that God allowed that to be asked so many times. But then when you get to verse 17, it's cleared up. The situation is clear. Uh, when we come to our text, he said, until, 
I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. The psalmist found the answer that the other psalmists were looking for. How can they live their life in this way? How can they go this way and yet be blessed? How, how can the wicked prosper and the ungodly uh, or the godly suffer? He said, I, did not, I don't understand this until... He said, I went to the house of God. He said, when I go to the house of God, he said, I saw their end. In other words, when he got to church and when he got in the, got amongst the brethren and he got amongst the, uh, the people of God, when he got in the presence of Jehovah, when he got around the saints and he got around the Shekinah glory of God, he knows how that ends for us. He knows what the end is for we that are saved. But when he saw the, he saw the end of the wicked when he got to the sanctuary. And my friend, when he begins to talk about that, He says in verse number 18, he says, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou uh, castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. When you look at the prosperity of the wicked and their blasphemies and their behavior and you ask yourself, "How how can they live so wicked and get by? I'm going to tell you how. Because their end is going to be swift. When you think about the end of every sinner, where do they go to? They go to hell. Five seconds in hell, all the blasphemy and all the, the, the wicked, ungodly behavior. My friend, in five seconds, in one second of judgment, in the, in, the, in the place of hell, in the fires of hell. You think about the lake of fire, eternal damnation throughout all eternity. Uh, listen, they're not getting by. God in His mercy, God in His love, God in His compassion uh, extends them a few more days upon this earth even though they curse His name and they blaspheme Him and they reap havoc. Even on the people of God, God is merciful enough to to extend them a few more days, a a little bit of more time here on earth because God knows that that five seconds into hell, my friend, that all of the blasphemy and all the the good time and good living in this world will not even compare with the judgment they'll face in hell. But for you and I that are saved, what the psalmist comes to the conclusion is, is that, my friend, there's riches that money cannot buy. He may not have the wealth and he may not have the health and he may not have all the benefits that the wicked have, but what he does have is he has God. He may not have gold, but he has God. He may not have silver, but he has the Savior. He may not have all the the riches, but he has redemption. I want to say along with the psalmist, and we've not even read the rest of this psalm yet, but I would say along with the psalmist that, hey, I don't have a lot of wealth and I don't have a lot of riches, but I do know the the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I may not have a lot of silver, but I do have have the Savior. I may not have a lot of gold, but hallelujah, I do have God. And he talks about that. He talks about in verse number uh, 20, 17, or verse number uh, uh, 20, he said, as, I, as a dream, he said, when one awakes, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. He said, thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. He said, I as a beast, uh, uh, he said, I was as a beast before uh, thee. In other words, he said, how could I have been so foolish? How could I have been so dumb? He said, when I just weighs it out, he said, like a beast, he said, I was dumb. He said, if I would just weigh out the end, when you weigh out the end of a sinner and you weigh out the end of a saint, hey, listen, friend, we've got riches that money cannot buy. We may not have a lot down here. In fact, we may go through a lot of persecution and adversity and suffering down here, but thank God it'll be worth it all on the other side. When we see him face to face, it will be 
worse than all when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. And we see here how the clear situation is this, that we that are saved, we have riches that money cannot buy. You say, preacher, what is that? Verse 23, notice what he said, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, that thou holdest me by my right hand. We have God's presence. That's riches that money cannot buy. He holds our hand. I, I like that old song the choir sings uh, oftentimes that he'll hold my hand. Amen. Uh, as over death's river I go. What a great song that is. And I want to say God's presence is riches. That money. I'd rather have the presence of God as all the wealth in this world, as all the prosperity and popularity this world has to offer. We have God's presence in verse 23. Nevertheless, I, I, I am continually with thee. Amen. Thou hast holding me up by my right hand. Then we have God's protection in verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Well, what about God's protection? He's going to guide us with counsel. And then He's going to receive us to glory. He'll be there when it comes time to cross that river. He, as a songwriter, as I mentioned a while ago, He'll hold my hand when I cross death's river. Amen? What, a, what, a, what riches we have in the presence of God and what riches we have in the protection of God. You can't buy the protection of God. All the wealth of this world can't buy you protection. I'm telling you, friend, listen, you can put uh, secret service on the outside. Listen, you can put, you can, listen, you can put, uh, you can put all, you can put an army on the outside. But there could be a virus running through your veins. That could claim your very life. I'm talking about, listen, our protection is in the Lord. And that's riches money cannot buy. God's presence, God's protection, and then God's person. Look at verse number 25. He said, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none on earth that I desire beside thee. Oh, when you think about God's person, to know God, whom have I in heaven but thee? Who have I on earth beside thee? There is no other person like God. And, uh, and that is riches that money cannot buy. And my friend, listen, he, he, he comes to the conclusion that at the end... We have far more. We have the person of God. We're going to see God face to face. We're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And then His power and His provision in verse 26. He said, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is my power. He's my strength. God is my portion. He is my provision in life. You know, I'm glad through the hard times that you and I can say that we, we have a provision that's out of this world. We have a power that's beyond this world. We don't have to trust in our strength. We can trust in the strength of God. And then we see that he, he has, the psalmist recognizes that he has God's promise. He said in verse 27, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish, that thou hast, thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. You know, those that do not know God will, will perish. But we have a promise Jesus gave us that promise that we shall never perish. What a promise. Thank God when we pass from this walk of life, we, we just pass from death unto life and, and we shall never perish is what John 5, 24 teaches us. And that's riches that money shall not buy, cannot buy. And then in verse number 28, we see God's praise. Notice he says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. You know, when you think about this, the psalmist closes this psalm by praising God. He began to praise Him in verse number 1 of Psalm 73. The problem was he was struggling. 
He was praising him in spite of his struggle. But there's a lot of question about, about the godly and about the wicked. But when you come to verse number 28, he's praising God with full assurance and confidence that he's, do, that he's on the right side, that he has riches. He's far richer than the wicked. He's come to that conclusion in verse 28, and he's magnifying the Lord that he's got riches that money cannot buy. I want to tell you the riches that you and I have. Look around. You may not have a fancy home, and if you do, that's fine. That's wonderful. You may not have a uh, uh, listen. You may not have the nicest car. I think most of us drive wonderful vehicles, and there are people around this world that ride a donkey or they walk. They don't even have shoes on their feet, and so we're rich in America. But sometimes in this life, we see wicked people prospering. But I want to tell you something. When I talk about riches, and when the Bible mentions riches here, it's not the materialistic things of this world. The riches the Bible's talking about is not something you can put in a bank account. I'm going to tell you something, if you can hear the pitter-patter of feet in the morning time and come across the, the floor, well, hey, you're a rich person. If you can get on your knees and pray to the God of heaven and get a prayer through, you're a rich individual. Listen, if you, are, if you know that you can pillow your head at night and know that if you don't open your eyes, you'll wake up in the arms of God and you'll see the face of Jesus Christ, that's riches that money cannot buy. Friend, that's something that the world does not have. That's something that the wicked does not have. And I want to say thank God for those riches. Thank God for riches that money cannot buy. Father, we want to thank you for the Word of God. And I pray that you'll help us, Lord, on this Wednesday afternoon, help us to just be reminded, just be reminded that we're rich beyond compare, that we have wealth that the wicked know nothing about. Help us to be thankful. Lord, help us to take the time to get on our knees and say thank you, Lord for the blessing of health and strength and family. But Lord, more importantly, thank you for the blessings of eternity, the spiritual welfare, the spiritual wealth that we have as believers. Lord, we thank you for the physical blessings, but more importantly, we thank you for the spiritual blessings. I pray now that you'll bless those that are listening. And God, I pray that you get glory and honor from this message. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.